Welcome back to the Beyond Luxury podcast. I'm your host, Carlota Rodben, and today's episode further explores the reshaping of the luxury landscape, this time through the lens of social media, pre-owned luxury, and Gen Z. Let's face it, the traditional boundaries of luxury are being redefined, and social media platforms like TikTok are being a large part of the conversation. If you've ever wondered how a disruptor could make waves in the luxury sector while using the power of social media, you're in for a treat. Joining us today is Ben Gallagher, the co-founder of Lux Collective. Think of it as a revolution in the pre-loved luxury space, not just for the seamless customer experience they offer, but for how they have captivated a whole new audience on TikTok. Ben and his team are doing something unique. They're making luxury accessible, while building a community that is nothing short of cult-like. But don't take my word for it. Ben's Gen Z perspective will challenge you to rethink what luxury can be in this digital age and how we should all be paying attention to platforms beyond the usual suspects. So Ben, hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Luxury podcast today. Thank We're you for so having me. so thrilled to have you. Um, you've really gone from your early days of trading everything from air fresheners, I hear, candles, mm-hmm. hats, vintage clothing, um, as a very young man, to now having such an entrepreneurial spirit. And you're shaking things up in the luxury fashion industry with a very hot topic conversation of pre-loved and second life items. Um, so really, you're shifting the industry to a more purpose-driven model. And I'm so eager to have this conversation with you today and dive deeper. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Ben, so why don't you start us off by telling us um, how you got led into this path and how you've started your career on this journey? Yeah, absolutely. So for um, anyone and everyone who doesn't know who I am or what my company is, uh, I'm Ben. I'm 23 years old. I have a company called Lux Collective Fashion, and we are essentially a pre-loved luxury retailer. So people sell their items to us, and we are slightly different to the traditional marketplaces and consignment models where we buy your items instantly off you. So it's a really convenient way to sell your luxury items. And I think that's why we've scaled so quickly over the last three to four years. It's because we just offer something slightly different than the rest of the industry. Um, So when I was 17, 18, um, I wanted really to kind of like start my career in something that I wanted to do myself. Like when I was a child, like 10, 11, 12, 13, all the way up until like 16, 17, I was selling, like you said, air Mm -hmm. freshness, sweets, candles, anything I could do to make a little bit of money, I would just resell and same with my brother. So I founded the company with my brother and he was the exact same. I love that. So it made sense when I got to 18 or 17, 18, I was like, oh, Let's, let's just do something together and let's try. And for the first two years, it was really, really slow. However, we were very lucky in the sense that we started our business a couple of years before TikTok. And then when mm-hmm. TikTok came out, as, a, as being only 23 and like Gen Z, I jumped onto TikTok straight away to see what was, see what was happening. And like almost immediately after making a few videos, I understood the platform and we really, really grew massively on there over the last two, three years. And we're now on around 
2 million followers across YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, so the path that led us to this point is basically just wanting to be an entrepreneur. And we found mm. this was a good gap in the market. And as we've been running the business more and more over year, of year, over year and year and year, we've just got a real passion for sustainability and also luxury now. That's so amazing. First of all, I love that you've done this journey with your brother and that, yes, as you said, I wasn't going to mention age because I don't believe in age, but you are 23 and you are the pinnacle of Gen Z. So it's so interesting to have this conversation with you, especially because, yes, you are a TikTok saga. And myself, I love watching your TikTok videos. Uh, I learned so much, even of companies I've worked for before. I'm learning so much on on your on your TikTok. So I really, really encourage all of you to go. Uh, look at his content and learn from his content and, and fashion. Um, so I love everything that you've been talking about. I want you to go further through what does Second Life or what does um, really this pre-loved world mean to you? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, so my mum was a very, when we were growing up, my mum was a very like thrifty shopper. Like she would go to charity shops because um, I was the youngest child of four, I would always have stuff passed down to me. So, like, secondhand has always been, like, ingrained in me. And, like, there was mm -hmm. definitely a stigma around secondhand fashion that it was, like, disgusting or, like, oh, I'm not wearing it because someone else has worn it or, like, it just, they didn't want to own it because they wanted to buy the new thing. But with, like, I feel like Gen Zs, especially, and I can speak because I am one, <laughs> I think that, like, yes. <laughs> they set they set a bar for, like, what the other generations feel like they should follow. Like say that millennials, um, Gen X is above them, I think it is. Like they look at, like Gen Z set a precedent. And I think for luxury uh, and especially pre-owned, but especially luxury, people are like, it just makes so much sense to buy pre-loved, especially if like you're trying to break the bank to um, buy something new, uh, like a luxury item or, um, if you just want to wear it on one occasion so it's not like that fast fashion cycle it's not unsustainable and i think like the like gen z is as a whole i've just made it really cool and really like inspirational to just buy secondhand like it's not a big of a deal as people were making out as it is before it's actually really uh money savvy but also like like with the renting uh sphere it's like it's a really good idea to do so it just makes real sense and i'm proud like to come from a generation that has has, has impacted the whole uh, industry in that way because like at the end of the day all it is is an item that someone else has worn and to be honest you might not be able to get it anywhere else so why why wasn't you like because like, it might be like vintage or it might be one of uh, one of like tens or like very limited pieces so it just make it makes real sense to shop in that pre-loved industry Absolutely. And I think it's undeniable the momentum we're seeing uh, around vintage, around secondhand, around pre-owned and pre-loved and second life. I personally love 
second life because you're giving second, third, fourth, fifth lives mm. to things that have had a life before, right? There's like, you're giving a, a second chance to something that has been so valuable to someone before. So I really um, agree with you. And I think it's amazing to hear it from a Gen Z. Um, how do you think that, because you're talking about different generations, how do you think that Gen Z is making this cool for older generations? What are you seeing with your customers and your clients um, so, with older generations? So like I feel that people are just constantly consuming on the phone nowadays, obviously. Like social media is just where all the attention's at. And like <clears throat> social media, naturally, as new platforms come up, they are for younger people. And then as they mature, they start reaching new audiences. So as those older audience start to come on socials, they're, they're consuming what the younger generations are doing. So as they're consuming, the more and more they consume, the more and more the behaviors of the younger generations become acceptable. So like it would take, it take, took a couple of years, but the fastest growing audience on TikTok now is 55 plus. So, so the, so the, the, but they're not creators, they're just consumers. So the main creators are the younger ones and the younger ones are the Gen Zers, millennials who are, talking about sustainability, talking about styling, talking about luxury. So the, the older the older generation who are watching these videos, they're thinking like, oh, I've always wanted to buy secondhand, but it's not been accepted in my circle. But it, but mm. my circle is what I'm consuming on my phone consuming. now. Do you know what I mean? So like it's becoming more and more acceptable the more and more they consume. And it, it just comes instead of like it normally comes from the top down in like companies and organizations, like standards and policies come from the top down. However, like the um, normalization of things in society now is coming from the bottom up because of social media. I love that you say this. Wow. You've just like, hmm. um, I've just understood something like quite. Uh, clearly now, of course, it is the younger <laughs> generation that's creating the content that is influencing everyone else. What, yes. a, what a great point and a very interesting point to keep in mind uh, with all of the ageless generation um, that I like to call the generation <laughs> that just keeps maintaining their mindset and values kind of aligned with with the, the younger generations. And, and, and I think today you know it's it Gen Z as well. The 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 younger generations are like not adverse to change at all. Like they embrace change. Mm. They're not scared of change. And I think that just the way that older generations have been brought up, very adverse to change. And that's not, it's not saying one's right and what's, one's wrong. It's just, that's the way we're living in now. So like when anything ever changes, it's like, it's welcomed. So like, and especially if there's evidence to back up that it's good for society or good for certain groups. So like, the, the rate of change that we're experiencing now as society is massive. But I think the younger generations are just more used to that. And the older generations are getting more and more used to it, the more and more it's happening. Absolutely. I completely agree. And it's it's an exciting thing for younger generations to jump on kind of like you did when TikTok came out. Like, what is this? How can I work on this? Right. And how can I get, have fun with this? I, I actually yeah, sure. um, kind of off topic, but this weekend, I was with a younger girl, um, definitely Gen Z or even Gen Alpha, 
And in the middle of dinner, she stood up and uh, she went on a little corner, put her TikTok on and started doing a dance for her social media. And it was just so interesting that it was so I remember I've been a dancer all my life. And I remember when I was younger, people would ask me, like, can you do a dance for us? I would like think about it so many times. Like, am I prepared? Am I not? What are they going to think? Am I am I like going to have a stage? Are people going to be looking at me? And this girl just stood up, put her phone on and started doing an amazing TikTok dance, uh-huh. like amazing moves in the middle of everyone, you know? And it was yeah. just like, it, that is such an adoption of like change and, and, um, and excitement towards something that is fun for them. And I think exactly second life and second hand and pre-loved is also fun. No, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you can be a lot more creative with with uh, pre-loved and secondhand things like we say all the time like we when we were in Japan we were like oh let's go thrifting we'll give a hundred dollars each to to one another and you have to style the other person that you give that hundred dollars to like it, like I you can be so that. creative with the because like you could <clears throat> because you could find like real because when we were going to Japan the shops were amazing and like you could there was loads of cheap stuff and then more expensive stuff but then like the whole like culture of like what they wear over there it was just crazy but you could do that in the uk as well like go go to like brick lane in london something like that and you could do like you could do like play, be very playful with it as well and i think that the the people who do shop pre-loved and from charity shops and mainly is their wardrobe is pre-loved they're more creative they're more flamboyant they're more open-minded like and it's just a, a real good community to to involve yourself in I love that. Amazing. You know, actually today I wore this, um, this top, which is a vintage Italian, like, um, linen top. And I said, I have to wear it today because I'm talking <laughs> to Ben. <laughs> um, but it definitely makes it like, you know, I was wearing it and, and I was even thinking about it, like who must have worn this before, you know, what, mm. what events did they go to? Um, yes, what did they exactly. live before me? You know, oh. I'm doing an amazing podcast with Ben Gallagher today, but what did they do with, um, they, with this exactly. top? So it's like, like every piece of even dreamlike. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was it was quite interesting getting getting uh, ready this morning, um, thinking about it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like my mum's the exact same. Like because she we grew up and she was shopping in charity shops and stuff like that. She would always come back and be like, the person in the shop told told me it's from this person who used to do this and this and this. So like from growing up, pre loved and second hand has just been so normal to me. And like when people say like I wonder the stories and that, and I'm like. Yeah, like, how haven't you thought about this already? Like, it's amazing. Like, you could have worn, like, a famous person's thing, like, a whatever, like, T-shirt when they were doing this um, type of thing. And, like, it's just crazy. Like, to me, it just seems so normal, but also, like, such an obvious choice as to why you would why you would shop pre-loved. Like, it doesn't need to be, like, a convince of someone. You don't need to convince someone to shop pre-loved. Like, all these benefits should just speak for themselves. Absolutely. And I think there's some some sort of, like fun human connection that happens even without having another human with you right it's like you you kind of play the role of of like understanding people before you and what they did before you and you know maybe it's coming from like a history geek but um even when i like walk in ruins and like i walk in different cities or like paris you know i'm based in paris and when i walk around i'm like whoa, like how long have these buildings been here and mm. what did it, they mean in certain times of, in history? And, you know, that's the same thing you can kind of experience with um, 
pre-loved items. And also that's, that's one of the bigger uh, points of luxury, right? Human connection. And mm -hmm. so, and, and telling a dream in a story. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, that's what these brands are, isn't it? Like the, these luxury brands, they are just tremendous storytellers through like every campaign, through every product they bring out. There's a story behind each and every one. And like, why can't we? And that's the strategy we've taken through our TikToks. Like, why can't we interpret storytelling and put it into put it into what we produce through these products as well, which is so rich with stories? I, yeah, absolutely. And that is exactly where I wanted to go now. How have you um, embodied and experienced telling the stories of different brands in your own way of storytelling? And how has this uh, impacted the people that are watching you and consuming your content? Uh, absolutely. I think we've been so successful on social media because me in myself, I am such a juxtapositional character. So like I'm a lad who's 23, <laughs> who is from Liverpool, which is not an area known for luxury, um, who talks about women's handbags. So like that whole, that whole characterization of me just gets people so curious and so confused right. when, they when they first come <laughs> They're across. They're already our... hooked. <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't, like we don't need to focus so much on telling people why they should watch us. Like, our content speaks for itself, but also me as a character, it just gets people so intrigued because they're like, what is going on here? Like, what the hell? Who is this person? <laughs> but then as they watch and watch and watch, they come away from the video with not only a little bit more clarity of, of the confusion they had, but a lot of value in the way we tell stories. So like we tell at the moment, our content strategy is telling stories about the brands and about people within the brands because I feel like for someone who for, for, for someone who doesn't feel involved in something is just a lack of education and a lack of information, right? So Absolutely. to be to, to feel part of a group, you need to you need to inform yourself, like you need to teach yourself, you need to learn. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bridge the gap between the luxury industry and people who want to feel a part of this industry but don't feel like they can because they don't know anything about it. So our whole theory is if we educate these people, they will feel more a part of the luxury industry because luxury is for everyone, right? Like we can't be, we can't be like, um, we can't be like stopping people from like gatekeeping an industry or gatekeeping a, a, a kind of like interest of people just because, just because we don't feel like you fit in the industry. Like if you look at me and the characterization I told you of myself, mm. traditionally anyone would say, you're not a part of this industry. However, now we get invited to fashion shows. We're going to Hugo Boss, Valentino, uh, Lueve. Like these are some of the most prestigious brands in the world. And me, a lad from Liverpool, uh, <clears throat> who just talks about luxury online is now getting invited to these shows, which is honestly wild, which proves to me that if I can do it, anyone can do it. And if I'm allowed to, anyone's allowed to as well. Absolutely. I love that. And you're hitting so many incredible points. Um, first of all, I mean, it's absolutely amazing what you and your brother have done. And it's it's really, um, it's all to your credit. And you're so right um, in creating this community, right? I think that you're not only with your content, are you informing and educating, which is such a fun and, and didactic and fast way to learn about um about brands and about things in general, about 
bags and fashion and how things work and why things work and who Anna Wintour is and how she made it there. You know, it's also about you creating this community. And I think it's amazing. And I want you to kind of touch more about this community that you're building and creating yeah. and what it means to you. Yeah, for sure. So obviously amazing. But just before I move on to that bit, like when you of mentioned course. Anna Wintour then, we're yeah. talking about like taboo subjects that people in the fashion industry would not want to usually talk about because it's a very political industry. It's very, it's very like clicky. So we're actually discussed like because we're not bothered at all. Like if we upset people like through just <laughs> through just commentating, if yes. we if we upset people through just commentating on their lives, then you shouldn't be upset with us. You should be upset with the actions that you've taken because we're not actually giving an opinion. We're just saying this is the Thanks. person. And this is how they've got here. And this is the steps of how they've got here. So we, we have an end point. We have, a, we have a start point. We have an end point. And we just tell you the journey of how they've got there. So if you're upset with our content uh, because it's about you or it's about the company you work for or it's, or it's about the company you're involved with, then you shouldn't actually be annoyed with us. We're just telling the story. Like, we have every right just to tell the story. So exactly like Anna Wintour, it's like <clears throat> really fearful character in the fashion industry. However... We're, we're, we're like breaking down like some things that like she might not want people to know but it is out there but just it's not getting commentated on at the moment so like I just feel like we like we have every and that's why like people find us really interesting is because we talk about these subjects in fashion that not everyone wants to talk about because they're a little bit a little bit scared of upsetting a few people maybe but I just feel like as long as we tell the truth as long as we're not biased as long as we just commentate and don't review then it's absolutely it's absolutely fine for us to do so. Yeah, I honestly think that's fantastic. I mean, so many people don't even know the the stories about um, these like huge icons or um, because because these stories are so feared about talking, um, talking about and so many people don't go like, let's be honest, these days people are kind of uh, don't have enough time to, I think, go deep dive into so many of these topics. And this is such a fast and I mean, it's like you, you have already done the, the research and you just have to consume it. So this is a really fun way to consume things. And do you know what our content does as well? So because we talk about these, these like high profile people who are like on TV, who are like in, in vogue on social media with hundreds of millions of followers. Because we talk about just their stories and their experiences, it really brings them down to a relatable human level. So like our audience okay. is looking at like Anna Wintour, like this really scary person, earns loads of money, has all these houses in the most expensive cities in the world. But we're telling we're telling them about um the the fun like the funny fact about she had a, a room of ruined fling with Bob Marley. Like that brings them down to a relatable le level because it exposes like vulnerability within them because like everyone's vulnerable, right? And vulnerability isn't Absolutely. a negative trait. Yeah. Vulnerability mm -hmm. is actually like a really, a real, a real strength. So like if we if we sometimes reveal vulnerability around these massive figures or just tell like really relatable stories, our audience can feel much more involved in the industry because they just look at these people we're talking about and think, oh, they're just human too. They've just worked hard. They've had a little bit of luck down the road maybe, but with, luck, with hard work comes a lot more luck. 
Um, they they might have had a, a, a good break. They might have had um, a, a connection that absolutely banged and put their name. They might have just been walking down the street and been casted for a model, and that was their career. Like mm-hmm. like they are just normal people, but they've just had different different experiences of how to get where they've got now. And I love that you're telling stories about people and brands that have the highest storytelling power in the world, right? Mm. So you're really like telling the other side of the story, the story that is a little bit more vulnerable and that allows people to connect to these characters a lot more. Yeah, right. Because the fashion brands and houses themselves are going to expose vulnerability of their highest, like, uh, like people that, who they like push across because these brands create characters out of these people like the way they the way they portray the people in these companies are not the way they actually are and i think w- w- like they, they they put them on this pedestal and they they build them up like to be this type of person so that they're aspirational inspirational to all the people so they obviously get more sales they buy more products which obviously is a really good marketing strategy it makes a lot of sense however like us us unpeeling that back and like like letting letting everyone know like different aspects of this person it just it like like i said it just increases increases the the people of our audience feel like they can be more a part of the of the community futurity system where prototypes become breakthroughs this episode is sponsored by futurity systems tired of minor tweaks and color changes in product development Futurity Systems is your go-to for game-changing prototypes that disrupt the status quo. They specialize in turning unthinkable ideas into tangible realities. So don't settle for incremental innovation. Let Futurity Systems help you redefine what's possible. I want to kind of jump onto another topic, which is more about seeing items as wearable statements or as investment assets. Um, What do you think, especially for the younger generation, how does this impact? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like obviously you can get a really good investment piece, like for sure, like you could buy a a Kelly or a Birkin or a classic flap or even like a never full, like you don't lose too much money on it. Because you could buy an item, you could wear it for a few years, and you could sell it for like, two, with Louis Vuitton's price increases, you could sell it for like two or three hundred quid cheaper than you bought it for, and that's still an investment because you've effectively worn a Louis Vuitton bag for three years for three hundred pounds, which is effectively uh, one hundred pound per year, which is really good value, right? Amazing. <laughs> so, but yeah. so for but people just don't look at it that way. They're like fifteen hundred pounds for a bag. No way, like I feel like the the rotation, like people need to get more rotation wise to understand that they can be a part of the luxury industry too. And I know I understand like fifteen hundred pounds is a lot of money for people to fork out initially, but it's like that long long term long term view of a product. Like if I buy this now, mm-hmm. I can sell it in three years, I can get my use out of it and get my money back, uh, and I can spend it on a new product. So for the for the younger generation, I think they are more like wearable statements because the younger generation are definitely more rotation savvy. They will they will mm-hmm. buy a pre, they will buy a pre loved piece off a pre loved website or or a renting website, and they'll just give it back because they are so sustainability conscious that they don't actually they think it's actually a bad thing to buy an item and wear it a few times and not wear it again because like 
the guilt of like climate change of uh, of how it's affecting the environment like they are so aware of it so that so like they they are more conscious in how many times they're going to wear it how they can offload it sustainably if they don't want to wear it anymore and how also just to look really good with a bag that they sorry for swearing by the way i'm not allowed to uh, if they can um, <laughs> if, if, if they, how, how they can look really good uh, just just for that one 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 piece because they because like it used to be a like a, a stigma of like oh they're buying off that like that influencer's buying off that luxury website wearing the bag getting a picture and putting it on instagram whereas now it can be done in a much more moral and a, a lot more like transparent way so like back in the day if people would just buy and people still do it now they'll buy a Dior bag get a picture put it on Instagram whereas now if you're actually an advocate for sustainability you're like oh yeah I bought this product here's a picture of it on Instagram I actually rented it for this picture and I'm going to send it back and if you want to rent something you mm. can go to this website and rent it and it's actually being an advocate for sustainability but also how you grow on uh, social media is being authentic by telling telling your audience that, that this is actually what you did rather than just putting on a persona of like, oh, look at me with my new Dior right. bag that I'm, that I'm sending back in two days after I've had this picture. So that's how you grow on, on social media. You be authentic and you be transparent. And the younger generation understand that so much. I love that. You are giving us such good insight um, on the younger generation. It, it's so interesting. And actually, I think it's like the first generation that is willing to, as you were speaking at the beginning about like putting uh, $15,000, right, or 15,000 pounds or euros onto a bag, it's uh, or onto a uh, um, luxury item of whatever sorts you'd like. It's the first really generation that very young and and early on they're thinking about this as an investment as in as in something that they can use now and do something about it later and as you said do it in a very sustainable way which honestly gives me so much faith in this <laughs> new generation uh and as you said it it, it it kind of like brings influence into the rest of all the other inf uh all the other generations that are listening and consuming this content and really kind of driving the pace of the direction we're going and really I mean thank you guys for all of this as worlds are really shifting and as we were talking about we're really going into sustainability and purpose-driven choices how does Lux Collective really view sustainability and how are you being a part of the conversation yeah absolutely and I feel like um this is this is something we speak about a lot and like we don't need to promote that we're a sustainable company because our our business model itself is sustainable so like we don't want to greenwash our customers into feeling guilty to buy from us to be like look we're a sustainable company you should buy from us rather than them because we don't think that's the best way to attract customers we we think if you are sustainably conscious anyway and eco-conscious anyway you will just come across us you will you like you will find us so like maybe down the line when we feel like there's there's a need for educating our viewers and our customers and we feel like there's value to be given them but we don't want to guilt trip our customers to be like we're sustainable if you buy from us you plant a tree because we do do that and if you do buy from us you do get an email to say oh we plant a tree but you do, like thanks for planting a tree but you don't know that until you place an order like Right. We are we oh, are a sustainable we are a sustainable company. 
because obviously we're rotating pre-loved fashion. Like the, the whole business model is sustainable. But in the future, we we will only shout about it if we feel like there's value for the end consumer to have. Absolutely. And I think that one of the points of um, pre-loved and second life is really that you are being sustainable in and of itself, right? So already amazing that every time you have a you buy a, a product you're planting a tree it's absolutely amazing and the power of planting trees is is uh well beyond uh what we can think but really and i think the really the, the most sustainable that you can ever be is consuming less and consuming better and consuming with a bigger purpose. And so if you're consuming less, but better, so putting less things into the world and buying things that have been pre-owned and pre-loved and you're consuming with more purpose, with more intent, with more, um, with, with the purpose behind either it's because you want to invest in a piece or because you want to relive someone else's, um, kind of like, can I live another life in this, in this garment or with this accessory? It's always about, a purpose beyond the product, not just because you saw someone on Instagram with uh, the bag, for example, let's take your Dior bag example. You see someone on Instagram with that Dior bag, it's a huge influencer that you really admire. And now you're in the Dior shop saying, um, in the boutique, you get there and you want that and you show them the picture and that's what I want because I've seen it before. That has so much less of a purpose behind it than when you are really premeditating and understanding why you're, why you're getting a a product, especially when you're talking about luxury items and the luxury industry, which is supposed to be something beyond um, this rational uh, and going beyond a certain dreamlike and and a really relational aspect to what luxury is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I kind of want to talk to you, uh, and because this is a Beyond Luxury podcast, we do push further into the future and kind of go into topics that might be a little bit and I love that you're really upfront and and transparent and honest so we're gonna have an interesting uh kind of part of the conversation now but it's pushing towards what is the future and it's inevitable to say of course uh we don't have a crystal ball and you know in in beyond luxury in the book um this is the same exact thing right it's just looking at trends that we're seeing today and understanding how they could potentially turn into the future of luxury and so i kind of want to ask you what you suggest one of the major trends or shifts uh that you're seeing today are in the luxury industry and how it would impact uh, the industry in the future? Well, I think, so especially I keep talking about it because it's from my perspective, Gen Z audience. Of course. So like if Gen Zs are looking for a luxury product online, 65% of them would want to see it in person before they buy it online. So I think what we're gonna what we're gonna see a lot more of is like pre and Japan have loads of them. It's pre-loved luxury shops, like a lot of pre physical pre-loved luxury shops physically. Because I feel like with pre-loved, mm. there's a lot of factors that go into why you will be conscious about buying it. Because obviously, with the with people owning it before, you want to see the condition, you want to see the smell, you want to see if it will suit you, you want to see if the bags change shape a little bit. There are loads mm -hmm. of factors. There are a lot of factors that that just can't be 
portrayed as well over over the screen. So I think one hundred percent we're gonna see a lot more pre love luxury shops, but like not just ones that are selling Hermes and Chanel, like because we have a lot of them in London already. But the mm-hmm. ones that are selling like mid luxury brands like Marc Jacobs, um, Coach, Balenciaga, uh, Prada, Gucci, Saint Laurent, like the, there's gonna be like full on shops and like like I said, Japan's amazing for it. Full on physical stores that are selling these pre love luxury items just to make that experience for the consumer really like as 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 luxury as possible, but also set the expectation of what they're getting more thoroughly and so i find that so interesting so what what would um you envision this experience inside shop be with um are there people there helping you um like fashion advisors helping you out is it a more like personalized way to help you out how does how would the interaction and the experience look yeah for sure so for me i would just try and make the experience as luxury as possible but breaking that stigma down of like you're lucky to be in this shop. You can't touch the products with your hands. You um, you it's like mm. one in one out with a security guard. It's like no, like everyone's welcome. Here's like the stories behind the brands. Like watch this piece of social content if you're interested in this bag. Like do you know what I mean? Like creating mm. what we've created through socials, but also allowing them to all purchase the product with seeing it firsthand as well. So like breaking this stigma down of like luxuries and and I do understand why why luxury is like portrayed in this way and like why first hand luxury is portrayed but the customers are different like the, the customers f- that want to purchase a Chanel bag brand new compared to a Chanel bag pre-loved their 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 reasoning for buying a product is completely different so I think for that the reasoning as to why the shop is different needs to be different as well Mm, I love this parallel between, I think, social media already made luxury more democratized Yes. Uh, by giving access to, it's just as anyone else's profile, right? You can just go onto a luxury brand's profile and follow them and see somewhat into them. Uh, it's true that the boutique entrance is still um, questionably open to the public. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I really think that you're onto something here with, uh, <laughs> with the parallel of really opening it up to relate, relating these stories to people and have allowing that human connection between brands and the stories of the brands and the people behind these brands, how you tell the stories on TikTok, um, and really helping people see that those vulnerabilities and say like, well, I feel, well, let's take uh, Gabrielle Chanel's example. When I wear a Gabrielle Chanel handbag and I have a cross body chain, there's this empowerment feeling of, I don't need to hold it with a hand, right? Mm. And this is the reason why she ended up doing it was mm. because she saw all these men like cross bagging things um, and she, was like, well, why do I need to have one hand? It's almost like you're handicapping a woman. Mm. Um, I'm going to put a cross back so I don't need my hands to to hold that, right? So every time you cross back something, that was just so normal. But before it was such an innovative way of doing things. So that even that story can help, well, a woman of today see how modern the like woman empowerment can be today is obviously different than before, but it goes through a lineage of, of stories. And I think... 
you're right on spot on something there, which is like, hmm. let's make it open to uh, and more democratized as a hyper-personalized luxury that can be for everyone. Yes, for sure. Amazing. Um, okay. If you were to encapsulate the future essence of luxury in one sentence, how would it read? So I would say like the future essence of luxury is going to blend sustainability. It's going to mm -hmm. blend technology and immersive experiences. So the, we, we um, see the brands, we see the brands such as like Jack Moose. Mm -hmm. I know, I, I, I don't know the beauty space too well, but like I know that Maybelline are doing it and also Kylie Skin is doing it as well, where they're creating like the, and Jack Moose were the first ones to do it. And they're the only ones in the luxury industry at the moment to do it. And I'm sure other ones are gonna, other ones are gonna cop, uh, copy them because they are pioneers of creative campaigns, Jack Moose. Um, mm -hmm where they're creating like these AI, like, uh, like it, they're just not real, like not real uh, ad campaigns, which, mm -hmm. which is obviously a, a, an evolution of technology and how to promote the brand, how to promote the brand because one, they're cheaper, but two, they're different. And I'm sure they'll become more expensive as more people start to do it, but they're cheaper, they're more expensive, but they're more inclusive as well because like, it's like, because they are not real, it's not like anyone has that hold over that and be like, oh, I was there when that happened or, oh, I could do that. It's like, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's, open, it's open to everyone to like view. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's, it doesn't segregate people. And I feel like it's really, really clever. Like those underlying like reasonings are really, really clever as to why they do so well. Um, but I also do think like in the future, the, the craftsmanship, innovation and quality is also still going to be the same. So like the, it's going that's what's going to separate luxury from everything else. Whereas like, obviously Love this. <laughs> it's like sustainability, technology and immersive experiences, like any industry can do, but the mm -hmm. craftsmanship and quality of pieces is really why I believe luxury is luxury. Like, yeah, they're not, they're not th th like when a, a Chanel bag is seven grand, it hasn't cost like f f three, four, five, six grand to make it, but the quality is just second to none. Like it honestly, like, and, and, and at the end of the day, we all know that you are paying for the brand and that's just, that's just what you accept, have to accept when you're paying this, this, uh, this price because you're paying for their marketing, you're paying for, for the, for wanting to be in the community of this brand, you're paying for that whole thing that they've spent one, 200, 150, 20 years creating. And we should feel like, we should feel like happy that we're able to, get a foot in the door by just purchasing one of their products and like a lot of people purchase products just to be like i've saved up so long that i've always wanted this product and it's like a reward for themselves do you know what i mean Absolutely. but the reward the, the reward does come back in in terms of um the craftsmanship and quality but also i believe uh, not a lot of brands do it at the moment but i think there's two brands that do do it really really well and that's Bottega veneta and delvo where like mm -hmm. they have they have basically lifetime warranties on their product, so if you're spending that money to get back to to get into that community, they will look after you. Is basically what that says. Like we will look after you if you buy a product from us. I will always make sure that you will always have that product from us, or we'll replace it if it breaks or something like that. And I feel like and how feel, important is that when you are looking at pre-loved items, right? And yeah. to be able to really do something with that item after it's very important to have that kind of assurance exactly but i do i do want to see more 
sustainable practices and like more pre-loved offerings from luxury brands. However, mm-hmm. I do think it will really be five years at least, possibly even 10 before we start seeing it anything like how smaller companies start up like us, like dealing face to face because the margins and products are just not there for them. So they don't see it as being a, as being a, like a, a good use of their time. So like maybe if any luxury in a luxury brand are listening, like partner with smaller mm. brands that understand how the consumer wants the product. Like they don't understand how our consumer wants the product. They just understand how they're consuming because our consumers are completely different. So like, understands how the authentication process works like obviously they all understand how to authenticate products because they're, they're around but they don't understand the, the the stress and the the meticulousness that you you have to do when you're authenticating 100 products per day like so if they're to offer pre-loved they i, I believe that it would be a very smart move for them to partner with a brand that has built up from nothing to selling pre-loved and building a whole community around pre-loved industry Absolutely, Ben. And I think you've hit so many, again, so many points. You're so insightful. It's it's amazing. Um, but really, uh, yes, I mean, sustainability, technology, immersive experiences, that is literally what Beyond Luxury preaches every day. <laughs> and of course, craftsmanship and quality. <clears throat> Super important, the, the art of storytelling as well, which you've honed. And yes, you have a great point, you know, it's, um, it changes completely the business model of luxury brands to have this kind of world open up and working with um, brands like yourself, uh, companies like yourself that have started from the bottom up and understand another, as we've been talking about, it's just the Gen Z um, client is just so, so different and so impactful and so important. And why not only because of themselves as Gen Z, but because they're influencing all of the rest of the generations as you're talking about. So it's almost (laughs) like, yes, we're talking about Gen Z, but really we're talking about everyone else following the trends and this perennial or ageless generation that kind of goes along with them. Um, So love that. Okay, one more question that is going to take you a little bit further up um if you were to glimpse into a scene in 2037 so you jump on a time travel machine and go to 2037 what trend do you see and anticipate for us today yeah i think i touched on it in the last question where it's like the more the more the more immersive experiences from brands and the technological uh, creative campaigns And also like experiences through shops. So instead of like, and we're starting to see a little bit of it now with like the pop-up shops again from like the likes of Jacques Moose, where like you go in and like the whole concept is just nothing like you've seen it before. Like I remember going into the one in London and it was like a bathroom and it was like no products were on like display. Like obviously it was kind of like a treasure hunt. So it kind of made it a real Mm. good experience to like, because it kind of like everyone, everyone likes treasure hunts. Everyone likes uh, hide and seek. Like when you're kids, it, it brought yeah. like that. That it brought like you that. Gamify youth- it. Yeah, exactly. It brought like that youthfulness back out of you, and uh, I feel like brands who can do that will be the ones that are up there. Like, like, and I, I do think like history and heritage will not matter if so. Like in ten years, if these brands that are so many years old 
if they don't story tell, if they don't innovate, if they don't understand their customer more, if they just stick down the traditional route, if they don't go onto social media and like optimize it as much as they possibly can, these brands that are really young, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old compared to the ancient fashion houses of Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Hermes, I really do think you will see like a shift in market share. Obviously, you'll, you'll, because, it's, because obviously Gen Zs and Millennials are only getting older and they see the value less in history. But mm-hmm. it, um, they see the value less in history and see the value more in uh, brands that they see are catering to what they enjoy, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It makes sense. Um, really, I think, Ben, uh, you've hit on so many important points. You are absolutely incredible, really, at (laughs) such a young age, done so much and so insightful about, really, this is golden nuggets of information because not everyone gets to talk to someone that is so savvy uh, in this industry with, Mm. um, you know, with, with your not only interest and and knowledge on Gen Z, but on how Gen Z is acting and how it's impacting other generations. So Ben, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been absolutely incredible Um, learning from you. It's been so eye-opening. I can't wait to see the incredible impact and things you do um, and the way that you're steering the luxury fashion industry towards a more sustainable and purpose-driven future and um, experience-driven future. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And uh, I hope that we're in contact very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been a really enjoyable enjoyable conversation for me. Thank you so much. And please don't forget to follow at Lux Collective on Instagram and TikTok and check out their website at luxcollectedfashion.com and check out Ben's incredible content because it's really worth it. Thank you for tuning in to the Beyond Luxury podcast today. If you found this episode insightful or inspiring, make sure to review, subscribe, and join in on the conversation in the comments. You know, they say the best way to predict the future is to create it. And together, through rigorous dialogue and curiosity, we can craft the future landscape of luxury. So don't just be a listener, be a part of this transformative journey. Until the next episode, stay inspired and keep pushing those boundaries.